With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Lombardi Line is we welcome you back, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. If you're new here, like those of you on the Tiger down in Auburn, Alabama, 99.9. Also, Arkansas, 99.5 in Little Rock. We welcome you. We're trying to cover SEC country with the new listeners today, Michael Lombardi, as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi Line. Of course, you're listening to the best in sports betting information here on VSIN. So you you said it during the break and it made me laugh because you said, watch out, the legal team has taken over Arizona Cardinal Twitter. Here, here's mm-hmm. what they said. The lawyers have taken over the Twitter and the social feed. We have announced that Cliff Kingsbury has been relieved of his duties. In addition, general manager Steve Kime has decided to step away from his position in order to focus on his health. The team wishes them well and thanks both for their contributions. What does that say to you within it, right? There's more of a message in there as well. Well, I think one guy, obviously, they fired Kingsbury. He's going to get paid. I think Kime, by resigning, that doesn't mean you get paid. So that's the way I read that. You know, Kime is may not get paid. He may have to step away, or I don't know what's going on there. But it d- doesn't sound like he walked. He voluntarily walked away, and maybe there's a deal that they've made secretly, or he signed something of uh, a uh, a uh, an addendum, you know, or a, a confidentiality agreement. I don't know. But when they write it like that, it sounds like one guy's going to get paid for his contract on that extension, and the other guy probably not. Okay, I do have some breaking news, and those of you in Little Rock, just hold on to your seats because this will shock you. And Michael Lombardi, you're going to be shocked by this as well. New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick will return for his 24th season (laughs) with the Patriots. I know some of those in New England were trying to force him out. He kind of knows what he's doing. Now, he was coy about Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. He said he's going to reevaluate everything as they head into the offseason. Thoughts on Belichick coming back? No surprise. Well, yeah, I mean, it's always, you know, I mean, coaches always say they're coming back and, you know, they haven't had a meeting with an owner, but I don't think Coach Belichick would go out there and say that uh, unless he, you know, unless he talked to Robert Kraft, which I'm sure he's had a lot of conversations with Robert Kraft between, you know, the the last month of the season in terms of where this is going to go. Look, the one thing I think that Belichick has been very good at doing, and yes, he's a friend and I've learned more than I could ever thank him for, for about football from him. But what I do know is he is going to be brutally honest and he's going to break down the season. I've seen us break down a season after we've won a Super Bowl, and I've seen us break down a season after we lost a conference championship game. I've seen him break down a season after we went 6-10. and 10. And it's all the same. So there's going to be brutal honesty within the organization. There is going to be accountability, and he's going to take responsibility for it. And then he's going to put together a plan moving forward on how this wants to go. And I think unless he's blind, which he's not, I think to me he needs to do some readjusting. You know, the special teams, I mean, yesterday's game against Buffalo was kind of the season in a nutshell for the Patriots. The areas where we expect the Patriots to shine the most, they failed. And let me give you an example. 
They gave up two touchdowns on kickoff returns. The first time in Belichick's career, an opening kickoff went back to the house. Then they gave up another one. Kid had a chance to make a tackle right into him. He missed it. 14 points in that, in that area. Then one of the pet peeves of, of Belichickian's career is don't let the ball get thrown over your head. Two big-time touchdown throws from Josh Allen. That's 28 points. That game was exactly how to lose a game, not how to win a game, and that was very un-Belichickian. I think he'll make some adjustments. I think, you know, Joe Judge was a good special teams coach. Does he go back there? I think that's certainly a, po- a possibility. What he does with Matt Patricia, I don't know. They need an offensive line coach badly. I think everybody thinks that 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 Bill O'Brien's going there, but I think Cliff Kingsbury would be more of a guy that fits what Bill wants to do as an offensive coordinator than what Bill Bill, Bill O'Brien wants to do. Interesting. Yeah, Bill O'Brien's name has been bantied about as far as returning to New England. Okay, so, Michael, we've got the Cardinals we just covered with Texans. Lovey Smith is out after one year. Coley only lasted a year as well. So let's go through some of these rapid fire. The Panthers, uh, feels like Steve Wilkes has done enough, but that's a big-time owner with a big personality. May he want to go try and find a big name. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, look, Steve, all that 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 Steve Wilkes could do is just do what he did. Now, yesterday's game, I don't know if you saw any of it, but if you want to watch a game where you can't believe one team won and one team lost – that watched that game. I mean, they they were the Panthers basically how they won that game 10-7, I have no idea. The statistics, the stats, the game sheet was unlike any other. The game, I thought it was going to be 21 nothing after the first quarter. I mean, New Orleans went right down the field and score. But give Steve Wilkes credit. This team fought. They were resourceful. They kind of hung in there. It wasn't pretty. By no means it wasn't pretty. And but the players played hard. They fought back. They turned it over. They they made mistakes, but they kind of they were gritty with it. And Darnold didn't play his best game. He played his worst game since he's been back throwing the two interceptions. They lost two starting guards in the game. He's five of fifteen. He had a two point eight quarterback rating, and they win. <laughs> and they win. He threw for four and, he threw for forty three yards and they beat the Saints on the road. And the longest throw was the twenty one yarder that got him in the field goal range. It's a remarkable game. It really is a remarkable game. But I, I don't know how you can replace him. The guy's six and six. He got him, you know, and really they should be they should be seven and five if DJ Moore keeps his hat on. I mean, if he keeps his helmet on, they're seven and five. That and that's that, that's not even counting the Cody Davis fifty eight yard field goal that Matt Rule had to watch, or the giant game where they where Baker Mayfield was was really so bad. So I don't know. I think Steve Wilkes has made a strong case. I don't know how they make that move. Now, what I find interesting today is, you know, Denver sending out slips to interview guys immediately. They, and they've known about that. They've had an interim coach. Carolina hasn't sent any slips out. The Browns right. are sending slips out already. They're, they requested to interview Brian Flores as a defense coordinator. They've requested to interview Gerard Mayo as a defense coordinator. They're sending out slips all the way. Whereas Carolina and Indianapolis, both who have interim coaches, haven't done that yet. It's interesting, kind of the Panthers-Saints in a 10-7 win for the Panthers on the road yesterday. So let's get to the Saints. And Dennis Allen, there has been speculation, potentially Sean Payton returning to the New Orleans Saints. Do you see anything changing? It's a 7-10 and record for Allen in year one there. I mean, I think, look, they, they they turned the ball over too much, and yesterday they didn't even turn it over and still lost. Although, here's where I think I can make the strong case, Patrick, for any viewer that has not listened to the Lombardi line before or me talk about football, I really believe missed field goals are turnovers. And this game was the perfect example of why that should happen. Because Will Lutz missed two field goals in the game, one to win the game at the end, and one in the second, one in the first quarter to go up ten to nothing. And yes, the Panthers turned the ball over twice uh, with two interceptions. But when you balance off the two missed field goals, they come out of the game even. And that essentially was the difference in the game, right? That was kind of the difference in the game. And so uh, I think ultimately, and then the, of course the, the 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 Saints fumbled also on one play too. So that that New England, excuse me, Carolina ends up with plus one in turnover takeaway when you count the field goals. So I, I think Dennis Allen, they haven't been able to hold on to the ball. I thought the team got better. They had a lot of injuries. I don't know where they're going a quarterback, but I think Dennis has done a decent enough job. He's seven and ten. I mean, like got he didn't walk into a ready-made team. There were a lot of issues salary cap wise with that team. 
Jeff Saturday had a disastrous interim as far as he was the interim head coach. That time, as I mentioned, was disastrous. However, he's got a close relationship with Ursay, the owner of the Colts. And you said earlier in the show you suspect he could be back on a full-time basis. Yeah, I mean, they've made no attempt to go after anybody. I've heard from no one in the inner circle. Like, I hear names for Arizona, right? Because I talk to some agents. I talk to coaches. I hear names for Arizona. I hear names for Denver. I hear some names for Carolina. I don't know. But I hear no names for Indianapolis. I think it's – and if you listen to his press conference, if you listen to his commentary after the game, I think he thinks he's coming back. I think he really thinks he's coming back. <laughs> that is that is. I wild. mean, it's comical. It really is. But I don't know, like I said in, 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 in a segment earlier with, with Sean Payton, I mean, if you want to go to de- – if you want to go and dive into the Indianapolis – I mean, this owner is a little bit, you know – there was a while where things were under control, but now he's kind of like out there. And it's challenging. And I'm oh, sure yeah. Chris Ballard, the general manager, you know, he's going to have to have a meeting with them. And and he, I know he said he's bringing Ballard back, but if you're Chris Ballard, do you want to come back and, and put yourself into this mess? I mean, th- this guy thinks he, you know, because he played, he thinks he knows. I mean, just yesterday, I mean, you know, look at the, I mean, as, as Elliot has text, I mean, tweeted us. I mean, it's like he's, the, the team has gotten worse. Yeah, Ursay is a wild card, though, as you know. Just look at his timeline on Twitter. He's doing his Beth Garth Brooks in private jets. So he's weird, and so he may make a weird move here and just keep Saturday into next season on a full-time basis. D'Amico Ryans, we should mention as well. You know, it's interesting. Salah got all the attention when he was the D.C. there with the 49ers. Ryans has done a better job. He'll, oh, no I think Not the even Broncos close. are coming after him as well. Yeah, I mean, everybody. I think Carolina. He's a name I've heard in Carolina too. I mean, he's going to. He's a name you're going to hear in Arizona. I, I mean, I think he's he is he's going to get a job. There's no denying that. I think he's the hot commodity in this league, and he deserves it. I mean, what he's been able to build there. He's taken Salah's defense. I mean, remember yesterday when you watched that? When you watched, uh, we talk about the Jets like they they have this great defense. With Skylar Thompson yesterday, they gave up over 300 yards. And think about this, Patrick. They play an eight-man front. They gave up 162 yards rushing to, to, to there. 162. I mean, Wilson had 4-5 a carry. Morissette had 6-5 a carry. There were no quarterback I, runs in this thing. I mean, I that, that has to be the most di- – I mean, Chris Felica, if you're watching this, how can you like this? How can you accept this? And Felica, if he's watching, he might be, what, $15,000, $20,000 richer because I think he won the yeah. Circuit Invitational, which is I hope he did. pretty damn good for our friend headed to Fox, the Bear, Chris Felica. When we come back, we've got a national championship game tonight. I want to get in front of these line moves on Wild Card Weekend as well, as I mentioned. And our buddy Mike Pritchard is going to join us here on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, to all of our new listeners across the country on the radio, remember you can become a VEASAN Pro right now for $9.99. It's a special that we don't run very often. As a matter of fact, we've never run it. So go VEASAN.com slash subscribe, $9.99. When you do, you get the VEASAN betting tools. Part of the tools are the betting splits, by far the most popular. You get money and bets for every game, updated every 10 minutes directly from DraftKings, today's games and future events. So check it out, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. And again, when you become a pro... Not only make some money, but you get the betting splits as well. We welcome you back. Those that are brand new, we say hi. I'm Patrick Maher. He, of course, is Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line. It's VSIN, the sports betting network. Looks like Felica, he's freaking out right now. It says, now, I thought he had a big lead in the circuit invitational over the last two weeks. Barry, you're going to have to clear this up, but he says he needs uh, either Georgia or the under tonight to win the circuit invitational. So again, our buddy Felica gripping a little bit there, Michael Lombardi. We'll, we'll be rooting for him tonight. I think Georgia will. I, I mean, I'm going to, I I like it. I think, uh, and I do like to, I think he's right with Georgia and the under. I like those two plays. So hopefully they come through for him. Well, let's get your take on that tonight. Of course, national championship game here at SoFi. It's a beautiful stadium in Los Angeles, TCU, Georgia. So again, we're back to 13 and a half. You heard Thomas Gable from the Borgata a little bit earlier. We're, we're showing a number of 13. This had gotten down to 12 and a half. So we're starting to see some buyback on Georgia here up to 13, Michael. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, again, this is a, you got to pace this game. I don't think you want to get into a track meet with TCU. You got to take away the the, the throws. You got to be able to pressure Dugan's inside. You've got to, you know, you got to do different than what Michigan did. Take points. You know, don't turn the ball over like Michigan did. Don't take chances. And when you blitz, you got to be able to get home. And that's something that they didn't do. And so uh, I, I think that game plan that Michigan declared and that t- TCU declared helps Kirby. Because I think the other thing I, I like about this is Kirby, right after the game, said, you know, he didn't mince any words about, you know, yeah, we beat Ohio State. He's like, we played really bad. And when a coach mm-hmm. says that, immediately after the game, that's going to be a long week for them. And he's a defensive coach, and that's what he's going to need to do. So, look, I think TCU's a wonderful story. I think they've done an incredible job. You know, I, I think it's Sonny Dykes is remarkable, and I think I love Dugans, and I can't wait to study him tonight in another big game. But I just think Georgia just has too much. And if they run and control the clock, if they have this ball 34, 35 minutes, I think the under's in play, and I think Georgia covers. Since 99, national championship favorites of five or more. So, again, obviously Georgia fits the mold of 13, 13 and a half here. They're just 4 and 11 ATS. So those big favorites have not covered. But you also do like, as we're hearing from the Bear right now, you do like that under 63 and a half. If I'm an in-game better, what's happening, what's transpiring to point to that under? Well, I think you got to look at the play clock, right? We know in college football they stop the clock on first downs. They stop to reset, then they go. So it's not a continuous clock. So that kind of doesn't give you a chance. But if the play clock's down, if Georgia's running the football effectively, you know, and slowing the game down, not and it's not one play drives and score like that Michigan game in the third quarter was, oh, my God, back and forth, then I think we got a chance to get this under. I thought the Michigan game would go over. I did because I thought that, 
both teams would throw the football. I kind of, the way the game ended up, I thought Michigan would be the team taking advantage in the fourth quarter. I thought that they would, I didn't think it would go as high as it did, but I thought it would be Michigan 41 to 30. Or, you know, I thought it would be one of those games. But I think Georgia knows track meet football is not what you want to do against a Big 12 school. What you want to do is punch them in the mouth and, and force them backwards and, and control the line of scrimmage. That's where Georgia has to win the game. I think you're right. And again, TCU was opportunistic against Michigan. Big plays on offense, which has been a trademark for him. But two picks return for touchdowns, forced fumble at the goal line. Remember, they stuffed Michigan on fourth and goal. So TCU opportunistic there. The difference here is the trenches. Also, Kendra Miller, he's 50-50. Of course, ran for 1,300 yards, 17 touchdowns. He's been awesome for TCU. He's going to be a pro. He's going to give it a go, potentially, 50-50, but the running back situation there for TCU, that's big. He's a big-time player. Yeah, I know it is. You know, it is, and he make, and he's a great runner. And, you know, they do run the ball. I mean, TCU's not all pass. I mean, they do a nice job of having balance in everything they do. Yeah. I should say 1,400 yards, 6-2 average for Miller. I didn't mean to short the kid. But, again, he's going to be a 50-50 go uh, tonight in the national championship game. Again, you've got a 13-1 and TCU team, a 14-0 and Georgia team. And Georgia's just on a historic run here. How about the fact that they can win back-to-back? Hasn't happened since 11-12 with Alabama. Of course, beat Alabama last year. I think there's something like they've lost three games in the last three years. Kirby has done what we knew could happen at Georgia, which is build a monster there in that state. Yeah, I mean, look, it's so it's such fertile area for high school football. They get the best players they can recruit out of state. And what I find remarkable is is that, that they've made Stetson Bennett a better player. Like, I didn't think they could win a national championship with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, but he has played much uh, higher level than I ever expected him to play. I know he's undersized. Uh, but I also – and his arm isn't elite, but he's made a lot of plays and he's able to make some tough throws. That throw he made uh, in the fourth quarter on the, the drive to win the game was as good a throw as on third down as I've seen him make all year. So I give him a ton of credit for doing that. I always thought they let the best quarterbacks out. They've been able to figure out how to man- maneuver around Bennett and utilize his skill set really well. It's a credit to Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator there. It's a credit to Kirby. The fact that they've turned Stetson Bennett into a Heisman finalist, as we saw this year, and also he's improved so much this year. I mean, he's got a better chance of working for State Farm than the NFL next year. So that's a hell of a job for a college quarterback, right? I mean, he's. Really you know, I, I actually think he. I think he's. You think he's going to get know, on a roster? I think he will. I think there's look, Patrick. I mean. I mean, look who's on rosters now. I mean, it's a dearth guys, of talent at the position. You're right. I mean, there's nobody, and he's smart. He's dependable. He works hard. You could put him in the game right away, and he'll execute. Is he good enough? Probably not. I mean, Sam Ellinger's not good enough to start all the time either, but he's in the NFL. So I, I think ultimately that I, I think it has a great chance, you know. Uh Do I think he can lead a team to a Super Bowl? No. Do I think he's a starter? No. But I think there's a place in football for a smart guy who can go execute the offense, and they've been in a two-back offense and know what to do and and feel like you're confident that he can handle it. Yeah. I mean, he's 25 years old. He's 5'11", but maybe good for the room. You know, somebody that is capable backup. uh, he's 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 bigger than Bryce Young, who everybody on Twitter yesterday was absolutely having a heart attack because of the Houston winning the game. I mean, you would have thought the world came to an end yesterday. How dumb Houston was for, I'm like, I get it. You love, everybody likes Bryce Young. I like Bryce Young. But the, could someone mention that he's 5'10 and he weighs 189 pounds and that, you know, there's a place in football for the little man. It's just not in front of the big man. And if this year doesn't prove it more than ever, I mean, with all these quarterbacks getting hurt, I mean, look at just Jalen Hurts yesterday. We haven't talked about that game. He wasn't 100%. He's out there trying to win his but, – but that injury is still lingering on him. He, they didn't want to run him yesterday, and he's a big man. Baker, Kyler. Bryce Young, it's small quarterback season. I don't know where the small quarterback – we, we went through that period of the Cam Newtons and just big, huge, hulking quarterbacks, and now we've got Bryce Young potentially going number one. Now, he won't go one, and that's another – part of that story is, of course, Justin Fields, and it, it appears Chicago is happy with their quarterback situation, so Houston could still get their guy at two. Yeah. I mean, look, and, and, and who is the guy? Mahomes went 10, you know? Some of these other, I mean, look, Herbert, Tua went ahead of Herbert. I mean, like, what is the, I mean, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson went 32. 
Lamar Jackson could get a record break. If he was a free agent, what do you think that contract would look like? We're going to find out. By the way, Lamar Jackson, you saw the positivity start to come out of John Harbaugh a little bit leading up to that game in Cincinnati. This is the next few days are going to be fascinating. Like, and you can't blame the kid if if Jackson doesn't play. It's his future, his future monetarily, you know, everything in front of him. And we don't know where the injury sits. I'm just, it's fascinating to see what's going to happen with him this postseason if he plays. You know, if if he can't be 100%, if he doesn't have burst, explosiveness, and quickness, how do you put him out there? You can't do that. That's his game. His game is his legs. His game is the movement. It's not, he's not, I'm going to stay in the pocket and throw this. He's, his game is, I got to get out there. I got, I got to be the leading ball carrier on the team. I'm going to carry it over 10 times. You know, what's the game plan against Lamar? Keep him in the pocket. Make him throw from a tight window. Keep him in there. Don't let him get out. Don't let him convert third downs with his feet. Make him throw from inside. Well, if he can't move and he has to do that, you're doing the defense a favor. Late night Sunday, Baltimore at Cincy. Cincy's laying six and a half. By the way, Cincy did not play well yesterday. They looked, no. it was it was a team I thought two teams, we haven't talked about it, but I thought two teams that won yesterday did not play well. Cincy and Buffalo. Buffalo was getting those. gashed. Buffalo did not play well defensively. And <laughs> if New England wanted to run the ball more, they could have. They were getting gashed. Now, what happened? Two kickoff returns, throw the ball over your head twice. That's why you win. But that there's in that tape, if you're Miami, now I don't know if they could do it, but they can run the ball. They, they proved that they could do it the last time. So Cincinnati is preparing for Anthony Brown, Tyler Huntley, Brett Huntley, and Lamar Jackson. Have fun with that. They don't know who's going to be playing, nor do the Ravens know who they're starting. Former first-round draft pick, of course, our buddy Mike Pritchard joins us next. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, whether you've been with the VSEN team for a long time or you're brand new, like I know a lot of you today are, how about this introductory offer? $9.99, you can become a VSEN pro. Okay, VSEN.com slash subscribe. But we haven't done this before, so this is pretty cool. $9.99 for 30 days. See if you like it. Don't miss out on this great offer. You get the Pro Tools, Pro Picks, Lombardi's Look Ahead. Every day we email you plays from the host and guests on the show. So, again, we'll take care of the handicapping for you, and it's all for $9.99. Beeson.com slash subscribe. Again, don't miss out on this limited offer as we welcome you back. Of course, those of you just joining, not only the Lombardi line, but Vison, we welcome you to the team. Of course, Michael Lombardi, I'm Patrick Maher. Mike Pritchard is a former first-round draft pick, and what's cool about Vison is we've got guys like Pritch on the team. He joins us, of course, VEASAN host Mike Pritchard. We're going to get to Pritch's points as we say hi to Mike. Before we get to your points, no surprise on Kingsbury out with the Cardinals, correct? No, not shocked at all. Kime as well. I mean, um, I guess the surprising uh, element of all this is what are they going to do for Kyler now? Uh, Because that was a package deal with all three of them. Uh, as he moved on from Rosen, uh, after one year, you move on from Wilkes, and okay, you get a specialized coach in Kingsbury and uh, tailor made for uh, Kyler, uh, right? Uh, unless you can lure Lincoln Riley. I mean, I, I don't know what they do at this point uh, out there mm-hmm. in Arizona. Yeah, uh, Lincoln I, Riley I, you know, just, <laughs> It looks like just the names that I've heard, Pritch, through the grapevine is they're on the defensive coaches. I think D'Amico Ryans will have a chance. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, Vance Joseph, the the former Denver Bronco coach who's on the staff, will have a chance. I'm hearing it's a defensive coach. I'm hearing they feel like they need some toughness and they need kind of to do that and maybe go against the the, the, the Kyler model there, if you will. You know, I, I think it, it'll be interesting to see where Sean Payton fits in that. Does he come in and run the entire organization? Would they be willing to give up draft picks for Sean and let him do that? That has not been the Bill Bidwell family model that we've seen. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm hearing it's more about defensive coaches than it is offensive coaches. You know, that makes it interesting too, Michael and Patrick, because it's like Kyler, I don't know from his surgery, like his time frame. he's not going to be ready to go at the beginning of the year. No. Uh, and so if you're a coach stepping into that situation, I mean, you're unsure about the quarterback right away, right? Yep. No doubt. I, I mean, I, I wrote that a couple weeks ago for VEASAN online, VEASAN.com, mm-hmm. that that you have to assume, like Lamar this weekend, 
if Lamar plays this weekend, he's got to be with his quickness and his speed and all those things. If Kyler comes back and is ready to go, it, he has to have the speed, the electric quickness, the change of direction, or else he's just a guy. Yeah. And I don't think you can do that within a year. I mean, we saw Godwin try to come back from his ACL Really, it took a longer time than a year for him to kind of get into a rhythm. It's a hard thing to do. And, and yeah, you're, you're cleared to play, but you're not cleared to play the way you're used to playing. Well, there are two unique positions. Now, one of 32, you get a head coaching job in the NFL. It's awesome, Pritch. But there are two unique positions because of the quarterback. Denver, because of Russ, and Arizona, because of Kyler. As we just mentioned, those are two pretty unique situations because kind of different personalities with the two quarterbacks. Yeah, egos, though. <laughs> You're still yep. dealing with that. I mean, uh, you know, in Russell, maybe he's kind of humbled himself because of what happened, the disaster it is uh, out there in Denver. And so he'll be willing to listen uh, and, and be coached up by anybody who, who comes in in that situation. And, you know, Kyler on the other side, I, I go back to what, you know, people who've been around and might have recruited Kyler and has been around him since uh, the younger days for him. Uh, and he's a guy that's just hard to coach. He has always been that type of player. And uh, that's carried over into the National Football League, obviously. And now uh, the injuries, right? And, and that was one of the things I, I thought about Kyler and his career. Yes, uh, we know about his measurements. And yes, we knew uh, about how dynamic he was in college with his speed and quickness. Uh, but that, get, that gets neutralized uh, fairly quickly uh, in the National Football League. You have defensive ends that are not letting Kyler get outside anymore. So... He's got to operate in the pocket just like everybody else that comes into the league as a quarterback. And uh, like Michael was talking about, I, I think that's challenging for him as well as uh, maybe uh, not being a coachable player so far in his career right now. Yeah, I, I think that's um, – Steve, uh, uh, Mike, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think all these guys – I think both situations, I'm told that Denver is a less appealing job to some of these coaches out there because of having to deal with this Russell Wilson train which Seattle, if you just do any phone calls behind the scenes, you can hear all the stories from Seattle. I mean, they're not, they're out there, you know, and, and obviously George Payton didn't do those phone calls because they're there and now they're in Denver. And I know his, his teammates defended him and it's the same thing with Murray. So I think that if I were, if I were the Michael Bidwell, I know I'm stuck with him, but I got to build a team around him that's a little bit different than building a team with him as he's the main focal point. And it's the same thing in Denver. I mean, whoever takes the Denver job has got to assume, okay, I got one more year with Russell. I'm going to get through this, and then I'm going to try to rebuild. I'm going to rebuild this team as best I can moving forward. Okay, unique opportunity with a former nine-year pro in Mike Pritchard here, not just on the Lombardi line, but VEASAN to take – a look at some takeaways betting wise from the weekend. So let's go Pritch's points. And the first one up Pritch from you is assuming and betting do not mix. Let's delve into that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I heard on our network uh, and, uh, and I just wanted to, to scream uh, a little bit or yell or, or do something because of this notion about tanking and uh, there's no way Houston uh, would try to play and win that football game. And I'm like, wait a minute. Coaches and players are competitors. I mean, the executives and, uh, and and people in control that way, they'll make those decisions when they need to. But as coaches and players, we're judged on performance, uh, right? And, you know, wins or losses helps or wins help uh, more so than losses that way. And, and certainly solid performances or, or, or not taking a step back. So uh, I thought Houston has been competitive within the division the last two years, which they have been uh, above 500, at 500 or above 500. Uh, and, you know, you look at the Colts, um, that that ship was definitely going in the wrong direction. So, I mean, the game was not a, a great game to watch, and we saw a lot of scoring, and, and it was comical at times. Uh, but I, I was just trying to pump the brakes for everybody in terms of assuming that Houston uh, was just going to lay down and, and assume that they wanted that number one pick overall. Yeah, I, I yeah. agreed with you. Uh, we talked about it. I, I think – I think there's a disconnect between the analytical people that want the first pick and the competitors in the room, you know, and then there's also a big difference, Mike and Patrick, about this NBA idea and the NFL draft idea. Like those two things are just completely different. Yeah. You want to have a higher draft pick. Yeah. You like to trade up, but this isn't the NBA teams. People don't tank when you're only playing 17 games. 
Yeah. And, you know, and the, and the further that too, because Michael, I, I would love to, add, uh, you know, uh, get your insight on this. It's like they fired Lovey after the game. Um, to me, if you are suggesting that you don't want to win the game, I, I thought if they fired Lovey prior to the game and then okay, yeah. create that disruption, maybe that would have been uh, an indicator for betters that they were looking to lose that game. Right, I agree completely. If if you if you want to lose the game and you know they, the owner was at the game, they fired Lovey. I mean, I don't think the plane landed in Houston before they fired Lovey from Indianapolis. So they had before the game began, they were firing Lovey. That decision was already made. So they were going to let it play out. I don't think they were as worried about the first pick overall in the draft as as everybody on Twitter was. Because again, Mike, I, I keep saying this: like Patrick Mahomes went tenth. You know, Josh Allen went fifth or, you know, Justin Herbert went fifth. Like, does right. it really matter who has the first pick? Like, let's just do what – give the guy the respect he deserves. Let him finish out the season. You knew he was going to play hard. As I wrote about, there was no way Nick Cesario was walking down the office and say, hey, Lovey, lose this one, no problem, and then I'm going to fire you on Monday. Like, that, <laughs> that's absurd. <laughs> Cal McNair was there dapping up. In Indianapolis, Lovey Smith, I think he fired him while he was dapping him up on the sidelines. I mean, he was literally roaming the sidelines, and then Lovey was let go uh, not too yeah. long after. A co- competitive spirit is one thing. Common sense is another. It, dubious what was happening with Brandon Staley and the Chargers, right? Because they had nothing to gain from playing those starters like that, Pritch. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get that. Uh, you know, I get it. You want to prepare the guys mentally and, and get them ready to play a game. Okay, go through that routine. Uh, but And then also, when the ball kicked off, okay, go out there and play a few, a few plays. But you certainly had to go in there with a the plan uh, to where Herbert was not going to be in there past halftime. I, I would think that that would be uh, the case. Mike Williams would not be in there that long. You know, all these other players. And, uh, you know, Staley, he for, for taking a few steps forward, uh, he seems to fall back on his rear end sometimes, uh, right? And, and now he's in the playoffs, uh, primarily because of how good that roster is. But uh, managing that roster seems difficult for him at times. Yeah, I mean, the, the excuse he gave was was incomprehensible. He said, you know, we only have so many players to manage. Okay, we get that, Brennan, but you better manage Mike Williams. You better manage Bosa. You better manage Herbert. You better manage Eckler because if you go to Jacksonville without any of those four guys, you're not winning. Right. So we oftentimes talk about, and it's hard to measure, but momentum and what momentum means. Well, part of Pritch's points, and we're going to come back and discuss is he says five teams are on a five-game winning streak heading into the postseason. Pritch, you've been in the locker room. Let's find out what it means for a better to back a team that's on a heater like those five teams heading into the postseason on five-game win streaks. What does momentum mean inside a locker room? We'll come back and discuss that with Mike Pritchard next here on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks, and they unleash the spirit of Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. So every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Reward Points, which you can then redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. Again, every time you place a bet, whether it be BetMGM.com or on the newly reconfigured app, you get points, you accrue them, and you can use them for free bets, airfare, hotel. It's a great deal. It's the best loyalty program in the game. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. 21 years or older. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. And speaking of, as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi Line, for new listeners and viewers, we welcome you to the team. Michael Lombardi, Patrick Maher, Mike Pritchard, former first-round draft pick, VEASAN host, joins us as well as he does customarily on Mondays. I will tell you this, boys. John Ewing over at BetMGM is reporting a better wagered $550,000 on Georgia at minus 12 and a half. Of course, the bet would pay him 500,000. Michael, he got the best of it because he got it at 12 and a half. And over at BetMGM, they have moved Georgia to 13 and a half. So if you have an extra $500,000 laying around, you can be like this better over at BetMGM. No, no, no sweat. Yeah, this is always where, you know, there's two times that sharp sharps play numbers. We know that guys that work. And when we call them sharp, we're talking about algorithms, guys that that study this, men and women that study this and have a, a number that they think the game will go to. And you play on the numbers. The public doesn't move the number as much as the people that that have serious cash in it. Now, not all cash is the same as we know. Right. So somebody doesn't know what they're doing bets a lot of money, that's okay. The line won't move. But somebody that knows what they're doing, it won't move the line. Yep, that's really well put as, of course, you'll have big bets coming in leading up to the national championship game. We'll get your take and also Mike Pritchard's take on that before we get out of here over the next 10 minutes. Uh, but we do have Mike Pritchard, former first-round draft pick, VEASAN host, joining us. We like to get his takeaways from a football Sunday and as we head into Wild Card Weekend, Pritch's points for today, assuming in betting do not mix, I like that one, Coaches and players want to compete. See Lovey Smith and Houston Texans. And then finally, we always try to measure momentum, Pritch. You've been in a locker room. Five teams on a five-game win streak or more headed into the postseason, including, as we talked about during the break, you've got the 49ers on a 10-game win streak, the Bengals on an eight-game win streak. What does it mean with that momentum? Oh, well, it means that you're peaking at the right time. I mean, I think you can look at the month of December. I, I like to go back to the end of November, too, and um, if you're peaking uh, this time of year, that's always beneficial. I mean, everybody talks about momentum, uh, but the regular season is a collection of quizzes, right? I mean, you got schemes, you got, uh, you know, philosophies, you want to iron those out. You want to work on things at the same time. You want to tinker with whatever you need to tinker with uh, to, to create that right formula. Uh, and so now you're in the playoffs and you, you got the midterm, right? Uh, and so how good are you and how much information did you gather during the course of the year with those quizzes uh, to prevail here and in the midterms before you get to that final uh, with the Super Bowl? Uh, so you got a number of teams getting hot. And you think about the last two years, that's what's happened uh, with the teams that won the Super Bowl, whether it was the Rams fixing what they needed to fix, adding what they needed to add with players. Uh, and then the year before with Tampa, same kind of thing after their bye week, uh, they got right. So. Uh, I'm looking at a very exciting or the prospects of, of a very exciting, a very competitive uh, playoff situation because of how many teams, the number of teams we have uh, peaking. And that might have led into that decision 
uh, with Staley. I don't know uh, in terms of trying to keep that streak going uh, with the Chargers. They almost uh, joined this group. Yeah, I mean, I think he wanted to play well. I mean, you know, I think he wanted to play well, and I think he wanted to keep that effort of playing well going. But there's a point where playing well, and, you know, I think when he went out there and, he, and I saw Herbert in the game early, I kind of thought the same thing about your momentum. I agree there. there's a sense of, okay, there's momentum going into this thing, but how many times have the Colts, you know, not won games at the end of the year and then gone into the playoffs. Or New England, you know, in New England, we, we gave up a game at the end of the year to stay healthy and then rallied and won because we had home field advantage, so all sewed up. I mean, rest sometimes is more important than momentum. But I, I agree with you. Some of these teams that are playing well and beating good teams, like I think Cincinnati's the one team that I would be. They didn't play well yesterday, but they've beaten good teams. Where the Chargers, when you look at who they've beaten, they've been great, but they've won. And, and sometimes they lose those games too, right? Sometimes the right. Chargers lose to Tennessee at home. So I give them credit there, but I think it's who you beat, and I think the Bengals and the 49ers, to me, those two teams are beating really good opponents and doing it uh, and, and have that momentum going forward. Well, right now, the Bengals are laying six and a half. Baltimore, that's your night game, 8-15 Eastern on Sunday, Pritch. And it's fascinating with Baltimore right now because we have no clue who's going to be playing quarterback. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too. I mean, from a betting standpoint, uh, it's all the momentum and, and certainly you're peaking. Uh, and, and what Michael was just talking about, that's on the side of the Bengals. Like, uh, even if Lamar's back, you know, he hasn't practiced. Uh, so how are the Ravens peaking right now, right? And they're not, uh, in other words. They qualify for the playoffs, uh, but they still, if you look at their, themselves, if you look at the Ravens de- defensively, uh, they have problems with communication. There's guys voiding areas and not in the areas where they need to be a lot of times, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then the magic of Lamar Jackson's not on the field. And I don't know if he's going to be able to create that uh, in the fourth quarter or in crunch time uh, in a very competitive situation on the road against Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean... I don't know it, you know, and, and like you take Miami, that Miami's in, but you know, we know they're not peaking. Right. And and if they don't have Tua, what, what chance do they really have against Buffalo? I mean, maybe they can come in and run the football and hold on there and, and try to slow the game down. But I, I think Buffalo would be smart to do that, to, to understand what that game plan would be. You know, Seattle's a wild card. I mean, they, they, they struggle the matchup with San Francisco. I mean, Purdy went up there, you know, Seattle's won two games in a row. They, they, they've they won the last two home games. They beat the Jets. You know, they beat the Rams. But, you know, I, I think there's always who's that opponent. It was to me like I, I like your opinion on this, Mike. I didn't think Green Bay was had any momentum. I thought they beat bad teams. Like, I was not surprised at all that Green Bay lost to Detroit. I didn't think – I was never buying Green Bay as, oh, my God, don't let them in. They're going to do damage once they get in there. I never saw a team that I was scared of to play. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, it's the Aaron Rodgers factor maybe that could, uh, uh, you know, influence that a little bit. But uh, you're right. I mean, they that's a team that had been tinkering with the formula or trying to pass quizzes uh, all season long, uh, and they couldn't. Uh, but they got right. They they got themselves in a situation to qualify for the playoffs but couldn't cap it off against a very hungry Detroit team. So uh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, when we look at these teams like this, like, for instance, Tampa, uh, Tampa didn't look good all year. Quizzes or no quizzes, pass, fail, nothing. Uh, but are they peaking though, right? And and then if you look at Dallas, it's like Dallas is not peaking. Uh, so that why that's why that game is interesting to me too. But you're right, Michael. I mean, uh, there's signs along the way. Uh, you know, Seattle stumbled uh, down the stretch, but you know, are they going to be playing their best football against the 49ers? I mean, that, that's really hard uh, to to gauge. But you can gauge the teams that are peaking, especially, uh, like you said, Michael, if you're watching teams and who are they beating and how are they beating them, how are they playing? Uh, but more importantly, do they feel like they're peaking? And, and I, I think that's some great information to to follow a little bit here. Yep. So da- Dallas is laying two and a half, three on the road. That's a Monday night wild card matchup at Tampa. Question for Dallas. Look, Michael, I, we know they weren't going to win the East because Philly was beating the Giants, but did Dallas practice last week? All three phases, no, I mean, they were a disaster in Washington. I, 
I said on the pod, I mean, Mike, I, I, I think this Keller, I mean, Keller Moore, I don't get this. I mean, I know he comes with great publicity. I mean, he calls the game like he's in the basement in Des Moines playing Madden. <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. I really don't. He's going to cost him. I told Femi, get your handkerchief out. You, Dave Ross, and and, and John Goulet, all guys here at, at VEASAN that love – that love the Cowboys, he's going to cost you eventually. He doesn't matter. They don't play the game. The only time they've played the game the right way is when Cooper Rush played quarterback. Like that's, then they then they said, okay, here's what we got to do to win the game. Now with Dak, okay, we're just going to do whatever I, I whatever I was on on this call sheet. Like you can't run all those plays that well. They proved it yesterday. Yeah, there's there's a contract influence that you think, Michael, in terms of you know you got Dak at what forty forty five million a year, and it, and it's like. I don't know if coaches even think about it, but uh, it has to have some type of influence, I would think. I mean, you got to, to me, at this point in Dak's life, you got to know what he's really good at doing and what he's not good at doing. Like, what yeah. throws on the field do we want him to make and what throws don't we want him to make? And if we're not going to protect him, then we've got to make sure we're in a better situation. I think Mike Pritchard just picked off Dak during the segment, which is interesting. <laughs> We've never had that happen before. Dak is giving away balls. Uh, Georgia, Michael, Georgia's laying 13, 13 and a half, a total 63 and a half. We'll get a quick lean before we get out of here. I, I lean Georgia. If I get a 13, I'll take it. I like the under on a lean too. I like those two on leans. Okay, Pritch, national championship game. You got a lean here? Yeah, Georgia. I, I mean, I went wire to wire with Georgia last year. I, I think they can be uh, good enough to go back to back and then, 13. I don't like the hook, but 13 for sure. Okay, there you have it. Mike Pritchard, thank you as always. We appreciate you. Michael Lombardi, enjoy the national championship game. And I'll see you next, I'll see you on Thursday, Michael. Yeah, I can't wait. Playoff weekend okay. starts on Thursday, Patrick. Brand new listeners and viewers here at VEASAN. Remember, $9.99, you can become a pro right now. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Big Bets is coming up next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.